Last week, oh, last week we looked at Shem and Ham and Japheth and why they were listed in the order that they were and not their birth order. We took a quick look at their descendants and how their father's behavior can have generational impacts. We're actually going to talk a little bit about that today, too. Then we spent quite a bit of time on dealing with people that may be in a bad spot. Maybe sin, it may be something else. But how do we deal with people when we see them at their worst? How do we deal with them when they're in a place that we may never be able to help them, but we can we can be there for them. We can, we can do something to assist them. We can be the hands and feet of Christ. And so many times in our society, we see that we're not that way. Um, if, if you were not here for that teaching, I highly recommend that you go back and, and listen to it. All of our stuff's on our website. Um, we had a couple weeks where they didn't show up, but for the most part, our teaching should be on the website. Last week's was one that I highly recommend as we continue through the book of Genesis, all right? Um, the, the church as a whole kind of blows it a lot in this area of, of dealing with people in need. We finished last week by, by looking back at the lessons that we, that we see in Noah, kind of the character traits, the, the things that we glean from him and go, you know, he, he really taught me patience, or he, he taught me, you know, faithfulness in, in sitting there building a boat for a hundred years for water getting seen. We learned a lot from his character. So, all things that we learn are things that we can grow from. This week, sorry guys, this week is chapter 10. It's literally almost like reading the book of Numbers. There's lots and lots of names, and probably is going to sound really, really boring as we read it, but I promise that there's going to be something in here. There always is. As we did last week, I'm going to spend a little bit more time in the in the, the line of ham. It's, it's one of those, the squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of things. So we're, we're going to talk about that, but our points today are going to be one race, the line of Japheth, the line of Ham, and then the line of Shem. Um, please stand as we read. We're going to read all of chapter 10, and we're going to pray real quick so I can ask God's guidance on getting through these names. And Kayla left, but, you know, with her child on the way, she's, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if she's going to pick any of these for, for the new baby. We'll, we'll see. Lord, we just thank you again for the opportunity come here to spend time in your word and to, to, to learn from it, Lord. We pray that you would be with me as, as I read through this. We pray that you would be with all of us as we learn from this and that you would just open our hearts for what you have today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The sons were born them after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Nadai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tyrus, the sons of Dover, Ashkenaz, Rithat, and Togarmah, the sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Kinnam, and Dodanim. From these 
the coastline people spread their lands, each with their own language, by their clans, by their nations. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush, Sheba, Havilah, Sapta, Ramah, and Septica. The sons of Ramah, Sheba, and David. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Eric, Akkad, and Kelman, in the land of Shinar. From, the, from that land, he went into Assyria and built Nineveh. Rehoboth, Ur, Kela, and Risen, between Nineveh and Kela. That is the great city. Egypt fathered Ludum, Anamim, Lehibim, Naphtuhim, Hapresim, Kaslehim, from whom the Philistines came and captured him. Canaan fathered Sidon his firstborn in Heth. And yes, guys, I actually read through this before. They still stink to say. Um, and had the, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arbidites, the Zemorites, and the Hamathites. Afterward, the clans of the Canaanites dispersed. And the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza. And in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Admon, and Zeboah, um, as far as Lasha. These are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. Shem also, the father of the children of Eber, the elder brother of Japheth, children were born. The sons of Shem, Elam, Asher, Shah, Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram, Booz, Hul, Gether, and Mash. Arbishad fathered Shelah, Shelah fathered Eber, and Eber were, and two Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Pele, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Joktan fathered Almodad, Shelah, Hazarmabeth, Jerah, Hadaram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimel, Sheba, Ophir, Hadalah, and Jobab. And these were the sons of Joktan. The territory in which they lived extended from Nisha in the direction of Sephar to the hill country of the east. These are the sons of Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. These are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations. And from these nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Amen. You may be seated. I only butchered a couple of those. It's pretty good. This is one of those chapters that basically never gets taught in church because, well, pastors are lazy. Um, and quite frankly, most pastors need verses and chapters with more pop to them, right? I've made a commitment in this church to always teach systematically through the Bible. I, I think that every word in Scripture is profitable. And as we were just reading and the, watching the video on the the book of Chronicles, Chronicles is the same thing, but there's a lot of historical content that's in, in all of those names. They, they all lead down a path that God's taking you with the scriptures, so it, it is important that we go through these things. Um, 
for me, I'm focused on what we can learn from the text, not, not how emotionally driven I can make it. We go through all of the scripture because God put it there for us. When, when we pick and choose verses to cover or skip sections altogether, we're not really teaching the whole counsel of God. And, and I think, basically, what ends up happening is we start teaching what I think is important and not what God thinks is important. Just like the Foundations of Faith series we did at the beginning of Genesis, we have to look at the narrative here of the genealogy of, of Noah. And the first question that we ask ourselves is, is what we're reading true? Okay? Do you believe it? Secondly, in the wokeness of society today and the massive use of color of one's skin to divide us, we want to look at um, what's the main point of our text. And it's, it's mainly to show that all of these lines all come from three men. We're all one race. We're not separate races of people. And I know that you have all these people that talk about race dating and, and the, the black race, the Mexican race, the Hispanic race, the, 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 the Asian race. And you have all these things. They're, they're not races. We're, we're all one human race. And if you look around the room, this room's not very diverse, but if you look around the room, the reality is there's only a 0.2% difference in DNA between you and any other person out there. That's not a lot. So we are made to be the same people. Before we get into our three points, I really want to touch on something that science has shown, and that is that we all, all of us, come from a common ancestry that begins about 5,000 years ago. Science has proven this. Amazingly enough, so does our Bible. When you go back and you go through all this boring genealogy that's laid out here before us, it's all there. You guys realize that until 19 or until 1859, God was really pretty much the center of science in, in, in our country, in our culture, in world culture, really. And so what, what happened in 1859? Anybody know? Anyone? Anyone? Really? No? 1859, one of the most racist and divisive books of all time was published. You guys would know it as The Origin of Species. Okay? It is a book by Charles Darwin, and you all thought it was just a book on evolution, but the rest of the title may help kind of point you in the direction of the way that this book was intended to go. The rest of the title is An Origin on Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. Did you hear that last part? The natural selection or preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. So we all, we all know that evolution says that we, we all come from monkeys. Did you guys know that it was taught um, 
around this time that black people came from the stupid apes, the Chinese evolved from the more advanced orangutans, and that the smartest of all monkeys, the chimpanzees, are what we came from, the white people. How many of you guys have seen this chart? You guys seen these, right? This is almost in every science textbook. Let, let me show you something that'll scare you to death that you didn't know this. You start off right here with the monkey, right? You start off with chimpanzee because he's the cool one because he's dancing back there, obviously. And you kind of get up to about right here. Right in this area, you get into what they would call like Lucy or the missing link, okay? They don't really understand it. This one right here, the artist design of this chart right here, this is a black guy, this is an oriental man, this is a white man. So in Darwin's theory of evolution, you end up to evolving into, a, into the perfectly white guy. So when you go back and you go, or the preservation of favored races in the struggle of life, that's where you come to with that stuff. And I guess you're wondering why, if you're so evolved, how did you end up with a ponytail? <laughs> I don't know, but apparently that's a thing back then. Um, that was the original drawing's intent when that drawing was designed. And the sad part is, is that is still in every science book that talks about evolution. And you know what? When, when some of you older people that are in here, when you guys were in school, you were taught evolution as a theory. They now teach it as fact. It is not taught as a theory anymore. So you are dealing with a Darwinian evolution system that flat out promotes racism. It, it has to by design. And the reality is, the difference between me and an Asian guy or a black guy or a Hispanic guy, um, you pick the ethnicity, notice I didn't say race, pick the ethnicity, it doesn't matter what it is, the only difference is really the melanin in our skin. That's it. My, my shape of my nose, the shape of my eyes, the color of my hair, all of those things are just genetic differences. And they really have nothing to do with race. And sadly, that is not what's promoted during that. They promote that, well, after all these natural selections, Ultimately, I end up becoming a white guy with a ponytail. And, and I'm better than every other race out there. That's ultimately what Darwinian evolution teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us right here in Genesis chapter 10 that we all came from three guys. All of us. Every single person in this room, every single person on this planet came from three people. Ultimately, it goes back to Adam and Eve. And the reality is, if you look at the way skin tones are, the way that people are designed, 
the way that the melanin comes and the way that things happen as far as genetic things, the only way that you can look at Adam and Eve is to know that both of them have to be a middle tone, skin tone people. They have to be. Because that's the only way that you can get darker people, that's the only way you can get lighter people. I just threw a rock in every skinhead, racist guy's craw, but it's the reality of life. Sorry. It's the only way that you can get the races that we see today, or the, the ethnicities that we see today. Just, a, it, it, here's the thing, guys. You guys have all, all of us have, I have, all of us have been pounded into our heads from society since day one. Black people are raised, Mexicans are raised, it's, Asians are, they're all different races of people, and they're not. So we treat everybody differently. They're all the same. Just a really long time in our intro on our three 100 times great granddaddies. It's basically, and we need to realize that our minds and how men thirst for power and control have ruined what God designed. I'll tell you right now, you guys go in your Bible. Go in your Bible. Look through the whole thing. And notice how many times the word race or color or any of those things come up. It's very, very rare. Because that's, that's not what God finds important. Ever. So let's start with our points. And I'm sorry that was a long intro, but the, the overall theme of chapter 10 is that. That we, we come from this lineage of these three men. So, I know that we look at it and go, oh, it's boring. Oh, it's another boring. Oh, it's another boring. But the reality is, it all kind of points to how, in the beginning, all this stuff changed. Since we all come from these three men, we're one people with one ancestry and one God. It's important that we know where we came from. So who are these three men? We, we talked a little bit about uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth last week. Moses listed them in the order of their importance, not in the order of their birth. We talked about that last week. But we see in our text, um, when, when he does the genealogy, again, he kind of flips order around a little bit. And I don't, I don't really... That's not really the point of today's teaching, so I don't, I don't even really want to guess on why he does that. But we're, we're going to start with the oldest son, which is Japheth. Okay? And in, in medieval ethnology, okay, it's the study of ethnic groups, you see basically what they do is they attribute Japheth. Do you got the next one? Did I put up a slide with the maps? On the uh, yes, you did. Yeah. Um, if you look up at this slide right here, you see that they put Japheth in Europe, the whole upper area of Europe. You can see for, that's Italy, that's, that's Rome up there. So it, this whole area up in here is Japheth. Um, and then they attribute Ham to Africa, the whole area down in there. And he actually kind of goes up into a little bit of Asia. Um, 
And then Shem basically has all of the Asia area. Okay? And of course, the Bible tells you people of importance to the author. So to Moses, the people that he's mentioning are people who are important for the story that he's telling. The reality is, is there there would still be intermixing of these families a little to to a certain extent at this time. Um, you did see a lot of times for, and if you go through the Bible, you'll see it for a lot of a lot of reasons during during the um, the onset of the splitting of groups. You would see where they would not do a lot of inter inter-ethnicity marriages because it, at the time they were serving different gods and we'll get into some of that. Uh, one of the reasons that you see that the ethnicity, the ethnic traits become so um, noticeable is that they didn't really marry into a lot of different groups. So once you had some that were darker colored, they would start kind of staying together. And you would see the lighter people start, and that's kind of how you started getting these ethnic groups that, that started happening. Um, so Jacob fathered seven sons, and we saw last week that they were kind of a both people. He never really got off the whole part thing. So they did a lot of traveling, and um, they sought out a lot of new areas. That's why if you, if you looked at that map, it was just a big chunk of mostly along the water areas. Um, the, we saw last week that the Japhethites are considered to be the ones who were responsible for the colonizing of America. Okay? Mostly because they all came from those, the, those European countries. But among Muslim historians, Japheth is usually regarded as the ancestor of Gog and Magog. Okay? And at times, you'll see where the mention of Turks, Khazars, um, and Slavs, all, all of those kind of Eastern European into Asian areas. So you did see some mixing that was going on there. When doing an ethnology study, it's hard to determine exactly where the, the Hamites and the Japhethites, um, where some of them, because there was a lot of, of things that were going on between those two peoples. Really, the Semites, the, the line of Shem, are the only ones that are pretty distinctive. They did not really do a lot of intermarriage. There was just a, not a lot happening there. And as, as we get into some of the stuff in the law, you'll see why that is. The sons of Ham, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one because Ham was the one who was the one who offended God, or who offended Noah. And Noah cursed Ham's son Canaan. Ham had, son, he had four sons. They were Cush, Egypt, Put, and, and Canaan. The, the Bible specifically mentions Egypt as the land of Ham, and for good reason. It has been said that whatsoever country the children of Ham happened to occupy, there began the ignorance of godliness. You see that? 
When you start looking back at the at the lands that Ham's ancestor or the Ham's lineage started to inhabit, you started getting a lot of a lot of names in there that sound for like Sodom, like Gomorrah. You started seeing all of these names that all come from the line of Ham. Okay. Egypt in itself was uh, by no means a godless country. Oh, no, no, no. They had many, many gods. They just had a lot of false gods. And even had Pharaoh who claimed deity. Cush is widely regarded as the ancestor of the Ethiopian people. Okay? And our text only goes into detail about one person today. So I do want to I do want to touch on him just for a reason, or just for the reason that well the Bible does. Let's let's spend a minute on this man quickly. Um, the man named Nimrod. Any of you guys ever thought about naming your kids Nimrod? No. No. I always wondered why, because you know you look at the Bible, and 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 it says that he was a mighty man. He he was a great hunter, and you're like. Well, who wouldn't want to be that, right? Josh does. Well, who else does? Everybody wants to be a mighty hunter and a great man, right? He was actually the first in, in, our, in, in the Bible to be called a mighty man. He was also called a mighty warrior in First Chronicles and later on in the book of Genesis. Nimrod was presumably some sort of a king. As the Bible records, the centers of his kingdom in Genesis 10, uh, 10 and 12, these include the great cities of Babylon and Nineveh. And if any of you guys have ever watched um, Veggie Tales, you know Nineveh, that's the city where they were slapping each other with fish. Very important historical biblical recording of the, the occurrences there. Again, a lot of lands of godlessness. A, a lot of lands of people who were not following God at all. And his, his kingdom appears to have extended across uh, some, somewhere to a place called Shinar. We're, we're going to go into detail and more on this next week because one of the other assumptions is that he was, um, he was part and kind of responsible for the building of the Tower of Babel. That's that's what we're actually going to be covering next week. And that that may be one of the reasons why his name went from this revered warrior hunter to being used as a slang insult. If you actually look it up in, in Webster's Dictionary, it means that he's a jerk or an idiot. Okay? So, the other option, you guys, any you guys watch Bugs Bunny? Anyone? Here? Yeah. You still do? Um, another, another option for how Nimrod became a slang term is that it was actually Bugs Bunny sarcastically called Elmer Fudd a Nimrod, insinuating that he was a really bad hunter. So, and people will say that that's how the term Nimrod stuck as, a, as an insult. Let's go into Mez, Mizraim, or Egypt. That's his actual name. He was the first king of the land of Egypt. 
and was so for about 60 years, okay? And that alone should tell you about the separation of, of the people from God. If you remember, um, it was centuries later when the people were asking for a God in the land of Israel, and they, they, were, they were wanting Saul, right? Remember that? And they said, we want to be like the other kingdoms. Well, Ephraim, or, uh, Egypt was one of those first kingdoms that decided to put himself in a place of kingship where God had not yet decided that for his people. You had uh, another son who was put or put. Um, he was the founder of the area known as Libya. Um, and there's a few references in scripture to him. A word of foreign origin meaning a bow, which suggests that his people, that, that those, that line from, from Ham were proficient archers. Along with their cousins, the, the Ludomerlidians, uh, the sons of, of Mizraim. And in Jeremiah 46, 9, they're described as mighty men or warriors who handle a shield. And in the text, it appears to be kind of saying that the, the people of Put were actually mercenaries or hired killers for the land of Egypt. So, you have a lot of kind of bad people happening in Ham's line. Lastly, we see Canaan. He's the one of the curse. Josephus writes of the area they inhabited, which is what basically has now become Palestine, okay? Um, and the surrounding areas, including what became Judea, and Galilee, and Lebanon, and Syria. The Philistines in Gaza were not sons of Canaan, however. They were the sons of Mizraim, the, the Egypt. The current Lebanese entire are not Canaanite lineage, the Amorites, Jebusites, Babylonians. Basically, a lot of the ites that you see in conflict with the Israelites through a lot of um, a lot of the scripture are the ones who are from Canaan. Not good people, and always had other gods. Okay? And, and this is important historical information to know as we continue on through the Bible because it helps us to make more sense of why why are these people hating these people? Why do these people not like these people? And why are they all fighting all the time, right? Because that's basically what you see in the scriptures. is like, this person's going in here, completely destroy them because they stay, do all this, do this, and this is God commanded a lot of this. It makes sense, and it hopefully helps you to understand why God says, wipe them out completely, because they have, they, they have nothing to do with me. These were a people, think about this, you, you got off of the ark, hi, I saved you, I, I saved all of mankind through you three, and immediately one of them just can, I don't really care, I'm going to move on and do my own thing. They immediately start creating their own gods, and, and they started leading millions of people down a path of destruction, because mostly just because of their disobedience. And it all started, we need to remember this from a couple weeks ago, this all started with one act 
of disobedience or disrespect of Noah by his son Ham started all of this. The effects of the father were multi-generational. And you notice, just like we talked about with, with Adam, like we talked about with with some of the other people uh, with Cain. When, when these people did something wrong, instead of just going, you know what? I messed up. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I apologize. They could have saved a lot of people a lot of heartache. That's not what they did. They stuck to their guns and they said, you know what? I'm fine. I'll just go off and I'll do my own thing. It's all right. Whatever. I don't, I don't need this. Let's, let's finish with Shem. There's about five nations in Shem's line. But the reason that this line is always listed first is because the priestly line of God comes down through the line of Shem. Um, I have to tell you, if you ever start reading the rabbinic accounts uh, the line of Shem, they're totally hyperinflated, and they basically make all of the Shemites perfect, and they never do anything wrong. That's that's not realistic. Um, I, I do quickly want to look at this line. Shem to Arphaxed, to Selah, to Eber, to Peleg, to Real, to Sarah, to Nahor, to Terah, to Abram. There's a Abram is, right? So that's that's the line of Shem. The two important ones to remember here are Eber. Eber, um, and, and we'll read about that next week. Eber was around during the Tower of Babel account. And when the disbursement happened, happened Eber was considered the father of Hebrews. Okay? It's kind of an important thing in your Bible. Ultimately, he was also the line of Abraham and Abraham. In Genesis 14, 13, it actually refers to Abram the Hebrew. Okay? From the line of Shem, we get, we get the Israelites, and ultimately we get to Christ. So it's important that you understand exactly where that stuff comes from. Next week we're going to get into the Tower of Babel and that disbursement and how how that all happens, but for now we want to look at just those three lines of Noah and see the way that they went in different directions, they went into different lands, and there was some intermingling with some of the families, but the main thing you see here is we started off with um, three families going off in three different directions. You know what? They're, they're going off in, in three different directions, not only spiritually, but, but geographically. They're, they're going off in, in ways that, that you see separation happening. Some of it's good, some of it's not. And that's, that's just the way it is. The, the lines of uh, Jacob and Shem seem to kind of follow more of a godly path. The line of Ham did not at all. And we see where the line of Ham gets into a whole bunch of different gods. As the rest of the narrative of the Bible continues, we're going to see these three families, these three lives, these three lineages, 
We're going to see them battle over land. We're going to see them battle over gods. We're going to see them battle over basically the decisions that they make, whether good or bad. That's one thing I love about the Bible is you get the good and the bad. You get the good and the bad and the other. I mean, it's a reality. The thing that I need you guys to grasp from Genesis chapter 10, and I'm going to finish with this. We're all one race. The only thing that divides us are the decisions that we make, the God that we follow, and the way that we treat those people around us. You see, in our text today, you see the way that one man treated his father had generational impacts. That not only was from him, his seven sons all went down this bad path based on one stupid mistake that his son made. The way dads, moms, the way that we example, especially God, to our children, can have generational impacts. So as we leave here, I don't want you guys to feel any pressure. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, we have to take these things seriously. We, we have to look at our kids and go, oh, am I leading them down the path they should be going? If not, you know what? The one thing we don't see in these stories is it, it, the stories we're reading right now. The thing that we don't see in these stories is we don't see God giving a lot of grace. He does to us. So when we mess up, we say we mess up, and we make it better, and we fix it. And God is always faithful to be there to help us get through it. And we can change this multi-generational nonsense to where our kids want to go down the right path. They want to do the right thing. They want to be children that go, you know what, I, I want to study, I want to pray, I want to do these things because I love my God. Isn't that what we all want? Ultimately? What? Really? Alright, let's stand up and pray. Can Kelly come back down? Alright, let's pray. Lord, we 